coming up episode 28 where we dissect 1978 and evil i got the best intro music that there could possibly be. Excellent. The best intro music that there will ever be for a podcast is about to kick in. Excellent. Eruption, you're thinking? No, <laughs> much, much, much better. That's next <laughs> on episode 28. With me is the ice cream man, Evil Jimmy. Evil, how are you tonight? I'm excellent. I'm a little under the weather. Got like a summer cold, not COVID. <laughs> you have to lead with that anytime you say you're not feeling well. Yeah, I know, right? But uh, I, I'm feeling good about this episode. I'm happy about it. so excited. It's funny. I travel oh all the time for work. And nowadays, anytime you even have like an itchy throat cough or a little whatever... Everybody looks at you like you're murdering everyone. That's super fun. Oh, yeah. Um, I really loved working on 1969 when he dissected 69, but it was daunting. 97 was really fun to work on because there's a lot of music that reminded me of, you know, a lot of nostalgia. But tonight we are dissecting 1978. And I got to tell you, I had so much fucking fun listening to the music mm-hmm. from this year it's crazy yeah it felt so much less like work than (laughs) exactly any of the other episodes that i've been on here with you so thank you (laughs) it's funny because i had fun people at work when i was listening to her like man you got a good mix going on like yeah no it's just yeah it's just 1978 that's it And so that's what we're going to do for this episode. We are just talking 1978. Well, not all the albums. We're talking all the albums we can get to that came out, our favorites, our thoughts on the year itself. We've kind of just touched on it, but was there anything a lot different about listening to it this time for you as far as researching? It's going to be hard to answer that question without giving a bunch away. (laughs) I like it. There's a lot of music that I absolutely adore from this year for a very long time. I turned two in 1978. So this is a lot of the music that I kind of grew up with. There's one particular album that I kept coming back to as sort of my palate cleanser. And it's something that I have listened to my entire life. Like you said, it was so much fun. I absolutely love the sound of the music from this era. Me too. The way it's produced. I, I don't know. There's something about the sonics in the recording and engineering from this era, the vocals, the guitars, the dr- everything. It's like comfort food for me. I totally agree. It's got a lot of the rawness of the late 60s, yeah. but it's also kind of turning the corner to that really well-produced. Sure. We'll touch okay. on it. Before we get into all that, we have to talk about the most important part of the night. What are we drinking tonight? I'm going to start with my boring picks, which is I'm drinking beer. I went way overboard on a 4th of July celebration that I had (laughs) where I just filled a cooler full of beer. And whenever you do that, nobody fucking drank it. So I I got like a whole cooler full of beer. You have bonus beer for the next six months. months. So I'm just, I'm trying to put a dent on those. I'm working on Pelican Brewing, which is my favorite brewing company. It's on the Oregon coast. And then I'm 
drinking Sunray from Ecliptic Brewing, which Ooh, I... It's a cool name. Yeah, I'd never heard of. And it's Portland. Cool can, too. Yeah. Before we get to what you're drinking, I am building a caveat for you. <laughs> that is this. Now I feel bad about it because you're not feeling very well, but oh well. That's just <laughs> part of podcast life, evil. Hey, the things we do. <laughs> so I have built in a rule, and with the rule comes a spoiler, which I'm just going to spoil now because anybody that listens to this show already knows that evil is a massive, 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 massive Van Halen obsessor. I, yeah. <laughs> as, I was going to try to make a joke, but it's not. As he's wearing a Van Halen funny. shirt. Yeah. I have a Van Halen t-shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I think he probably owns about six more. Of, conservative. Anyway, I was throwing evil a bone when I chose this year, but the problem is, is that there are two massive, massive favorites of both of ours on this year, which for you, it's Van Halen. And for me, it's the police mm -hmm. spoilers there. You were going to figure it out very early on anyway, everybody. So no worries, but here's the thing evil. I am allowing you to bring up Van Halen five times, including oh, no. your song and album pick. All right. Now, Hamstrung. you are allowed to bring up Van Halen more than five times, but it will cost you a shot <laughs> if you do decide to do that. So I'm going to keep a tally. And <laughs> once you go over oh, five. Boy. <laughs> so with that, Evil, what are you drinking fair. tonight? That's fair. The drink I chose, the proper drink I chose, is a bourbon. It's Jefferson's Ocean. It's actually aged on sailboats. It's really good. I, there, I love I don't that know what batch bottle. it is. I have that bottle up yes. in my garage. Yeah. It's a beautiful bottle. It's fantastic. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. They make another one that I really like, a very old, very small batch or something like that. Um, but this one's good. I thought this was good, aged at sea. This music has aged so well for me. It re that really I'm have. Like, yeah, this, it felt appropriate. You also told me to get something just in case I bring up Van Halen a little too many times. And I chose or hearing cherry liqueur because it's red. <laughs> Eddie Van Halen's Frankenstrat was red, black, and white at one point. I don't know. I'm a super Van Halen nerd. So, and I'm not going to count that as bringing them up. <laughs> Time starts now. So we're going to go ahead and take a break. We will be right back. And we are going to talk about 1978. I'm back let's talk 1978 before i get into it i'm gonna give everybody a little bit of a cultural happenings of 78 give you a feel of what was going on at the time if you're an older listener you can start your nostalgia here if you're younger look this shit up because it's all important the most important obviously in 1978 president carter legalized beer brewing at home I did not know that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So by far the most important part of 1978. Well, yeah. Most popular movies, unfortunately, one of them will have to bring up even just to talk shit about, which is Grease. But then on the other side of the spectrum, we had Animal House and mm -hmm. we had Superman. Oh, yeah. That's still one of the best superhero movies. Oh, yeah. Including the sound, like the, the music tie in, that soundtrack, that John Williams soundtrack. Fantastic. Is iconic. Yeah. Yes. 
Space Invaders launched. It wasn't the first arcade game by any means, but it was the first arcade game. I mean, there were other ones that were popular. There was something about Space Invaders that became this big competitive Mm -hmm. arcades really, really blew up in 78. Uh, Roman Polanski pieces out to France. You can look up the reasons. We don't need to talk about why. (laughs) He's not a nice guy. First ever test tube baby. Whoa. First ever cell phone. First ever Walkman. And the most fascinating study in Western culture and society there will ever be, which I am just obsessed with, the Jonestown Massacre happened. Oh, man. In 1978. (laughs) Which, if you don't know what that is, if you are a true crime person... It does not get more fascinating than the Jonestown Massacre. That's for sure. I want to talk about it so bad, but... (laughs) That's a different podcast. (laughs) There's 7 million podcasts out there that talk about things like the Jonestown Massacre. Typically at this point in time, you, Sven, and I will do a friendship test and guess the other's favorite albums. Sven couldn't be here tonight. He's got some personal stuff going on, so he's going to sit out a few episodes. Sven, we miss you. We, yeah. we wish you were here. I have imposter syndrome right now, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the friendship test doesn't work here because we both know <sighs> the other person's favorite album. Yeah. So I guess we're such good friends that the friendship test is just blown out of the water. It's not even worth doing. I would argue that we are, we wear our tribe on our sleeve. Yes. Uh, especially this year. Yeah. It's very true. We're each going to take turns, given our thoughts on 1978. And then after that, we're going to talk best ofs and categories, awards. You've heard this mm-hmm. show. You know how it goes. I am going to start by talking 78 first and let evil go last. I'm going to talk 1978 And my 1978 dissection revolves completely around one band, and that band is Van Halen. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. I was getting excited. (laughs) We've turned him. Oh, I I thought you were. No, you stole my shit. Here are my thoughts on 1978. Besides, fuck Greece, and (laughs) I will always hate Greece. I don't know why people love Greece so much. What are your thoughts on Greece? I honestly, I'm not sure if I've ever actually watched the movie, but I do remember growing up in choir, we had a whole like production that was based on the music from mm. Greece. The guys dressed in the t-shirts with like fake cigarette boxes rolled Socialist, up in our sleeves. Yeah. And yes. And it was like a back and forth between the guys and the girls singing. It was fun for seventh grade evil jimmy who was just jimmy <laughs> at that point I, I mean i don't know i don't know what to say about it i get annoyed by it i can see that for sure i am extremely picky about musicals and i thought greece was terrible so when i initially picked this year i picked this year because of two albums i picked this year because of van halen and the police you know 69 was hard 97 was fun, but let's pick one that we know we're going to kind of have some obsessions with. Mm -hmm. I figured knowing what was popular at that time, that the rest of it was just going to be crap. (laughs) And then when I start researching, the first thing that I see is an NPR article asking, was 1978 the best year ever for music? Yes. I saw the same thing. Like, what the hell? What? (laughs) What are you talking about? And then I started looking. It is an insane year for music. I want to ask you something. Do you think that this might have been the birth of alternative music? Oh, boy. That's a that's a very good question. And 
I've been thinking about that for two weeks and I still don't, I don't have the answer. If not the birth, the catalyst that caused it to explode. Yes. It wasn't like the inception of it, but boy, talk about fertile grounds yes. here. I mean, yeah. I'm sure we're going to get into some of these bands and Big stuff. time. Holy moly. Our, yeah, I think absolutely. our awards a- and categories section is going to be very long on this one. Yes. Yeah. It was kind of the end of that whole 60s, early 70s thing where the people in bands had to be amazing musicians. You had bands like The Cars and Blondie that just had the blueprints for these perfect pop hits. Right. Yeah, you still had the bands like Van Halen and Police and those type of bands that were just insane musicians. But you had a ton of... You didn't have to be an amazing musician to be in a band. In fact... If you were like craft work, you just had to know how to work a computer, which that (laughs) was a whole new thing too. It's a different type of creativity, a very novel kind of creativity, maybe fueled by technology, maybe fueled by sort of a reaction to the music that had been popular forever, you know, or probably a mix of all of these things. Very much agree. So I thought about talking about that in great detail. Then I thought about talking more about how this was not a lull. But you still had these amazing songwriters. You had Springsteen kind of started to hit his stride. Elvis Costello was Mm -hmm. kicking ass. If you haven't listened to one of these before, at the very end of the episode, we collectively discussed for about two weeks what the top 10 best albums were of 1978. Right. And one of the ones that was kicked around was Bruised Orange by John Prine. Mm -hmm. You had people that were writing crazy good music but they were just kind of hanging in the wings. Yeah. Your Joni yeah. Mitchells and your Bob Dylans weren't really around right then. And I don't know if it was because disco had made them a nihilists or what. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. You didn't have as much as that folksy kick that had been there since right. the 50s. Yeah. And that wouldn't really be there again until, I don't know, when would, when would you say that folk really, really... <sighs> came back like mid to late 80s maybe? yeah yeah i would say late 80s as a kind of a reaction to hair metal and you know yes. synth pop stuff you know like college radio you know Good sort call. of cropped up as as a reaction to yeah. what was kind of launched this year it was the 80s two years early really if yes that folk stuff came back around with college radio you know not folk with bands like rem and stuff that surrounded that type of sound like people looking for something different you bringing up college radio and bands like rem you're spot on through all that stuff what i decided that i wanted to really concentrate on for my thoughts on 1978 is a metaphor what i want to talk about is disco and the fierce fierce drive it gave to rock bands to find a way out of it (laughs) i'm not saying that there wasn't talent in disco the bgs were amazingly talented there's so much rock and pop and hip-hop music from this point forward will have had massive disco influence Mm -hmm. you name me a drummer in a rock band that hasn't at least on one track played a fucking disco (laughs) you know what i mean well even Um, when when we talked about corn i think i brought up their album that has got the life on it. That's a disco song. That's totally. That's a new metal disco it song. I mean, is. straight up. Yeah. Unapologetically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it finds its way into everything. So for me, there were three bands that I want to touch on that I think really led the way out of disco. And they did it in three very different ways. 
the way that I think of it is disco was this private club that everybody was obsessed with and spending all their money at, and it was high class and they were drinking their awesome drinks and they were doing their Coke and all that awesome stuff, which <laughs> I mean, it's not like they stopped doing that, but it was this private club that everybody was obsessed with. And metaphorically, just the whole world was in this club. The first band that I would concentrate on would be the Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. Because the Talking Heads, if you listen to the album that they came out with this year, which was uh, more songs about buildings and food, there's a lot of disco in the album. If you listen to what's the song, With Your Love, the song With Your Love is an almost complete disco beat. But it also had all this weird independent rock sort of stuff and burn was just a nobody had heard anything like burn. no i like the talking heads quite a bit i'm more familiar with their stuff a couple years later mm-hmm. but he's a fascinating guy fascinating extremely creative like going back to what i was saying like this is a different kind of creativity kind of creeping into the popular music industry getting actual radio play i feel like there was a lot of artists that came out of here that ended up being extremely respected. Mm -hmm. I know that every generation has them, but you start thinking of, I didn't even plan on this for my 78, but you've got Copeland and Sting and Roth and Halen Mm -hmm. and Blondie. We could go like that for fucking 20 minutes without missing. Yeah, it's a big list. So you had the talking heads that were just kind of opening the door to the club and saying, Hey, Hey, everybody, we can go this way. We can go out here. We can do this. Mm-hmm. And that was the first band. And then you had the second band, which was The Police. From a whole other fucking planet that disco was currently on <laughs> or anything. And we're just doing this insane genre bending. I would say The Clash maybe came a little bit close to, but they aren't even close to whatever the fuck you'd call what The Police were doing at the time. They were just saying, we can just be on this whole other thing and not even worry about it. Here's one thing, and I'll do a spoiler, and I'm going to totally throw you under the bus, evil. (laughs) When we do our 1978 top 10s and we try to figure them out, evil didn't even have the police album. I can't even fucking pronounce it. (laughs) Whatever, Diamore. Outlandus Diamore. Yeah. uh, He didn't have it on his top 10. And then like three days ago... He sends me an email. I knew that he must have been listening to the album because it says, uh, yeah, that album should be number two on the list. (laughs) You know, I think I'd heard a couple of songs off of it, but when I put it in the first track, I'm like, oh, okay, we're playing a different game now. Okay. And by the end of the album, I'm like, I understand. Yeah. I I think I said something like, I'm usually not this happy to be wrong about something. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And then the third band, and I'm not going to go into it because I'm going to let evil have the lion's share of that. But the third band was Van Halen and Van Halen just kicked the fucking door off the fucking disco tech and said, no, no, this is what we're doing now. That sucks. This is rock. Go fuck yourself. And they did that to the ultimate extreme until they, as a band, killed themselves by doing it in 80, was it 85? Yeah. I mean, 1984 was their last album. 84, 84. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's my thoughts on 1978. There were these specific artists that really showed the pathway out of disco, and it worked. It totally worked. It worked in all three of those areas. <sighs> to sum up my thoughts on 1978, I am in love with Debbie Harry. <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything, but that's it. Before you start your thoughts on 1978, I just want to get you in the right mind frame. So I'm going to read you a quote. From Rolling Stone's critic Charles M. Young in 1978, 
In three years, Van Halen is going to be fat and self-indulgent and disgusting, following Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin right into the toilet. In the meantime, they're likely to be a fairly big deal. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's Rolling I like that Stones. they threw Zeppelin under the bus here. Uh, what? <laughs> Well, whatever. When you're a critic that is shitting on deep purple Led Zeppelin and Van Halen, <laughs> you need to start reassessing what you've done with your yeah. life. A lot of my favorite bands from, quote, back in the day were not well-received by critics. Zeppelin wasn't. Sabbath wasn't at all. No. Van Halen no. wasn't. Super wishy-washy on Halen. Yeah. You know, hindsight 2020 here. I mean, if you look at influence longevity, those things. I mean, they're like the Mount Rushmore of rock and metal. Absolutely. People talk about Rolling Stone being, well, you know, Rolling Stone has turned into this big pop. Rolling Stone has always <laughs> been like that. It's always been. Yeah, yeah, they've been like that since the fucking right. 60s. Oh, I'm going to dovetail into how you kind of ended that talking about the three bands. And this was kind of an era, it was the winding down of arena rock, the stuff that we talked about in the 69 episode of the time in terms of like genres, disco, obviously huge punk slash new wave music was kind of a direct reaction to that stuff I was talking about before the, and then yacht rock. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like Michael McDonald, Kenny Loggins style. That stuff was huge right then. It was Bob Seger, baby. <laughs> Disco was obviously sort of like the pop zeitgeist of the time. And I like how you pick three bands that sort of led people away from disco in different ways. The Talking Heads and sort of that kind of music, they were just saying, hey, we can do something different, regardless of whether it's good or not. Like there are a ton of people like disco for a reason. But hey, let's try something new and creative and carve out this whole new genre that really, we're talking about launching the 80s here. Talking Heads are a huge figure in what was to come subsequent to this era. Yeah. The police did it by just being more interesting and playing better, to be honest. Yeah. How would you categorize their music? Like what? You can't. It's you can't. Reggae, punk, rock. Yeah, it's everything. Soft rock, hard rock. It's it's insane. And then is this my one? Do I this is the number one where I bring yeah. up Van Halen? Yeah, you've only done one. I'm <laughs> proud of you. You've only, you've only, this is only one so far. And I'll get into this album in great detail you know <laughs> but they did it something a little bit different yes they kicked the doors to disco down but instead of like you said saying hey fuck this they're like hey we like the party too we're just gonna throw a better party yeah you can't talk about them without talking about eddie and his what he does on the guitar and stuff and you talk about other guitar virtuosos that kind of came after him or even maybe before him Momstein, Steve Vai, these guys come to mind. Most of the fans of those players are guitar nerds. Yes. Eddie Van Halen was a guitar virtuoso in a pop rock band. I mean, hard rock, but still. Yeah. Girls like Van Halen. Dudes like Van Halen. Your parents probably have a favorite Van Halen song. Your grandparents at this pro point probably mm -hmm. have been to a Van Halen concert. I mean, they were huge and did things in a larger than life way that I adore because it's excess, but I mean, they did it so well that you're just like, man, well, they're good. You know? it's, and it's part of the reason why the critics yeah, hated it. Absolutely. There's a David Lee Roth quote that I have here. Money can't buy you happiness, 
but it can buy you a yacht big enough to pull up right alongside it. And that was Van Halen <laughs> yeah. in a nutshell. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking Roth was, he was so yes, smart. Very. And he had a ton of those quotes and just such a immediate, beyond charismatic front man. He had this thing that I feel like hadn't really been, yeah. that whole cocky Ric Flair kind of. Oh, you stole my thunder right there. I ha- oh, <laughs> shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in because I, I'm glad that other people see it. Man, I, I don't want to turn this into a Van Halen episode. <laughs> but I mean, really, that, that album, if you look at music, I'm, I'm not going to be hyperbolic and say all music, but rock music, especially hard rock music. Yeah. There is BVHE, before the Van Halen era, there is Year Zero, which is 1978. And then there's AVH, like in the year of our Lord, Eddie Van Halen. And that's <laughs> changed the relationship between rock music and guitar mm. forever. It was a Zeppelin that didn't take itself seriously. <laughs> At all. <laughs> and Eddie was just so likable. He was the opposite of the, I love Zeppelin. I love Zeppelin. But they took themselves really seriously. I, yeah. And then you had Eddie that was just grinning ear to ear. He wasn't innocent, but innocent looking dude. Just right. fucking shredding. How right. do you not love that? I mean, I don't want know? to say that there was no joy in Hendrix or Clapton or Jimmy Page or like, I mean, maybe no joy in Tony Iommi. I mean, <laughs> Sabbath. <laughs> but um, and Roth was a huge influence in this. It definitely cranked up like the tongue in cheek joy factor to music. Yeah. Unfortunately, that turned into the watered down copy of a copy of a copy. Hair metal bands. The original is it's something else. Let's man, I yeah, I got something. Okay, I'm gonna pick a fight. Uh oh, I'm gonna pick a fight with you. Oh no, there are two things that I think that you don't have uh high regard for that I think actually warrant <laughs> a mention this year, and that's a compilation album by the Steve Miller Band, which it's their blue album cover with the Pegasus on it, the horse with the wings is I think it was like 74 to 78. Yes, and mm-hmm. it, I mean, that album has it's got the Joker on it, it's got Take Your Money and Run, and Big old jet airliner, all these huge Steve Miller hits. I love that album. It's one of my favorite compilation albums. I will not say that Steve Miller Band isn't fun or talented or anything like that. You know, they're just those bands you just don't like. <laughs> the Joker, I don't like The Joker. That's fair. I, I like Take the Money and Run. That's a fun okay. song. But other than that, and I think there's one other one, I've never really heard a Steve Miller Band song I like. You're right. That album, the blue album with the horse on it, yeah. Everybody in the world has owned that album. Yeah. It just it just was never yeah. my thing. I feel like everybody has those where like everybody loves it. I'm curious as to why. Like what what about Maybe it's that I never liked the song The Joker. And okay. when you are from ages probably 13 to 18, <laughs> everybody plays that song everywhere you go all the time. I'm the same way with uh Hotel California. I fucking hate uh. the Eagles. I hate oh, the Eagles. Boy. And it's all because of Hotel California. I fucking hate the Eagles, man. I know. Like, I, that right? <laughs> yes. God bless you, Big Lebowski. It's one of those things that I know that I must be in the wrong because so many people love the Steve Miller band that I respect, but I don't care. I, still, I just don't like yeah, it. I get it. I think for me, I love that album because I found it at a point. It was like huge for whatever reason, however many years later, when I was in high school. Yeah. Everybody who had that, like you said, everybody. everybody. everybody you say yeah. compilation. It's like a greatest hits. Yeah. He has, he had two gotcha. of them. That one that was like 
69 to 73 and then 74 to 78. The topic of live albums. There are some of the most monstrous live albums that I've ever heard were put out this year. ACDC, Cheap Trick, Live at Budokan. I mean, Thin Lizzy, and then the Blues Brothers. It was their oh, debut yeah. and a live yeah. album. I kind of get why you say that live albums don't count. But some of those bands, like you can't see ACDC with Bon Scott anymore. Maybe for the year dissections, live albums just need to be its own separate thing. A separate the, topic. The problem that I have with live albums is their greatest hits sure. albums. Yeah, they're comp- I guess they, they are. are compilations in a way. Yeah. That's the only problem I have with them. But I'm not anti, I love live albums when I'm giving top tens of sure. Cheap Trick or Johnny Cash or something like that. I'd rather put them somewhere when they came out with an actual album then that's fair there i think there's some kinds of music that is just better live i would rather listen to a live stevie ray Vaughan album than his recorded music absolutely absolutely it's like watching a wizard conjure up a dragon you know <laughs> mc5 we talked about that in 69 that album had to be a live album was that in our top 10 um, i don't think it made the top 10 but we definitely so disc- i'm not was- i'm not not open to live albums being in the top 10 okay it's just gotta be like a fucking place in time yeah that makes sense i get that yeah taking that into yeah. consideration these live albums are some of the best i've ever heard Cheap Trick was huge. Cheap. I, I wouldn't say they didn't age well, but they just sort of like fell out of the public yes. consciousness. But they were like... I, I think that's fair to say they didn't age well. There are songs of Cheap Chick, mm-hmm. Surrender and stuff like that, that have made it through to the lexicon of... Sure. But no, you're right. If you talk to somebody now about Cheap Trick, when they think of this era, they don't put Cheap Trick with no. like hey, Halen no. or the Cars or anything like that. And they... Back then, they were massive. They were huge. When I listened to the live at Budokan, I read some like reviews and some write-ups on it. And in Japan, they were as big as the Beatles. They said it was like Beatles mania all over again. I'm like, what? I had no idea. And then you listen to that live album and you hear the crowd or you see footage of it. And you're like, oh my God, these guys were on top of the world. <laughs> massive. <laughs> oh <my> yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll forge ahead and we'll delve into all the separate little tidbits and pieces of gold. We're going to take a break. We're going to get into the awards and categories. We'll be right back. We are back. Let's get into some 78 categories. Let's start this with breakout artists of the year evil you want to do the honors just like listen to this van halen of course the police of course Uh the cars Uh dire straits Uh toto (laughs) devo nick lowe Susie and the banshees the buzzcocks prince this was prince's debut album serious yes rick james the blues brothers shaka khan kate bush molly hatchet los lobos Midnight Oil, Ian Gillen, singer for Deep Purple, he had a solo album. David Gilmour put out a solo album. Those were both yeah. debuts. Juice Newton, that's my like hilarious one. Because when I was a little kid, I loved Queen of Hearts, that song that she released a few years later. So I threw that in there. That's also a debut album. Holy, that's, you know, take off the last three or four. But That's I, insane. Now I understand what that NPR article was talking yeah, about. That's not, that's yeah. insane. Debuts. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, 
I don't really have a breakout artist of the year. It's too, it's just too much. There's too many of them. It's overwhelming. Honestly, it I mean, really if, is. If I was forced to pick, I'd probably go to Van Halen. It just spawned so much other stuff. Yeah. And their seven year ride or six year ride was just, yeah. it was insane. Um, it was crazy. Height of power. I just went with the Bee Gees because Ugh, it's, that makes sense. It, this was like the height of disco, but I also kind of an honorable mention for Blondie. Blondie was big for a while, but the album mm-hmm. that Blondie came out with this year, Parallel Lines, I feel like is regarded as her big, big, big to do. Right. That's a good pick. What do you got for Height of Power? This one was hard. I. It is hard. Disco's that. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good like encompassing pick. This was like a handing of the baton for them. Gene Simmons discovered Van Halen. He invited them to New York and and helped them record it, bought them clothes and recorded a demo. And they eventually, you know, recorded elsewhere. But Kiss didn't put out an album, but they had all of those, the the four solo albums. Kiss was huge in the 70s. They were like... Huge. They're almost more like a brand than a band. Oh, totally. So I'm going to go with Kiss. I think I think that makes sense. I actually like it for reasons that I'll talk about later on down the line. Excellent. Um, that's a good pick. Albums or artists that have aged poorly or well. Evil, you can go first. So much of this music has aged well. Mm-hmm. I would have a hard time to pick an album that didn't age well. I think disco didn't age well. <laughs> so Yeah. Um, how about this? I'm going to read off the top 10 hits. Of 1978. All this fucking music that we've been talking about for the last hour. And here's the top 10 for this year. Shadow Dancing by Andy Gibb. (laughs) Night Fever by the Bee Gees. You Light Up My Life by Debbie Boone. Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Kiss You All Over by Exile. How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees. Baby Come Back by Player. Love Is Thicker Than Water by Andy Gibb. Boogie Oogie Oogie by A Taste of Honey, and Three Times a Lady by The Commodores. That was the oh top gosh. 10 in the year that all of these fucking bands were. That shows you how big the Bee Gees were. Oh my God. In this era. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then. That's nuts. My other age, the worst. Because age is the best. We've talked about it. There's just so many of them. Mm-hmm. And my other age is the worst. And I'm just going to keep pounding it for all you people that are going to keep writing and saying you just don't understand. Here's another year where the Rolling Stones came out with an album, and here's another year where they weren't even close to our top 10. <laughs> you know why? It's not a good fucking album. You're just picking on their fans. Beast of Burden is the reason I hate the Stones. The first time I heard Beast of Burden, I was like, this song is fucking terrible. <laughs> How do you come out with Paint It Black and Wild Horses and then come out with Beast of Burden? It doesn't make any sense. Rolling Stones are overrated. Every year, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> but you know, Sven did this, does the same thing. You sit there all quiet, but you never have the Rolling Stones anywhere in your I, list. I don't care for the Rolling Stones either. I like a couple of songs. Sympathy for the Devil, I like that oh, song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great song. I like that song because Guns N' Roses did it. <laughs> and Better. I like their version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody just wake up. Okay, Rolling Stones are not. That I feel bad for the good. Stones fans who I listen. I know, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Every year, they're like, God, just give us a break. <laughs> <laughs> Best hidden gems, underrated albums, albums that took indie role. 
I'll go ahead and go first. I wouldn't necessarily call it an indie role, but the Buzzcocks. Mm, yeah, that's good. The Buzzcocks album this year is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And you know what else is really, really good that I listened to, even though it's a complete ripoff of Earth, Wind & Fire, is Toto's first album. <laughs> that's funny. That's a good <laughs> I listened to it a couple days ago when I was mowing my lawn. I was like, this album's fucking awesome. They, they write good songs. They're, God, they yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Toto is such a weird. What do you call the bands? The Sticks and the Totos, the County Fair bands. <laughs> like, yeah, you... Sticks put out an album this year, like Pieces they of did. Eight. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> County Fair bands. That's too heavy to be in the yacht rock category. I don't know. They're like kind of corporate rockish, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. What surprised me? The Nick Lowe album debut was. I need to go back and listen to that more. If we were doing like a full deep dive on one album, I would have had a lot more to say about that. But that one caught me and I'm just, I, I had never listened to it. And it was really interesting, indie, underrated it, for me, because I hadn't really experienced it. I don't know what I think about it yet because I need to listen to it more. Uh, but it caught my attention for sure. When we exchanged our top tens, that was right in my middle. Yeah. It is a very not well-known album, but definitely go listen to that one because it is, it's fan. Fantastic. It's so good. It's kind of like it's, the police. How do you categorize that album? It's kind yeah. of new wave, kind of pop-ish, but not. I mean, like alternative pop. Like to your point, like did alternative music begin this year? This that's a perfect example of it. And to kind of use that for the next album, I just want to mention as far as albums that while researching 1978, I'd never even heard of Chairs. Missing Wire? Did that come across any of your lists when you were looking at that at all? No. Because uh, yeah, I, I saw it on heard. maybe one or two lists, but I didn't I didn't know it until I think I don't know how it caught my I have it listed here. I have a whole list of a whole bunch of albums and it made that list. Chairs I, Missing by the band Wire. Listen to it. Picture Joy Division if Joy Division was prog rock. It's so weird and yeah, awesome. That's, that's one of those albums that and then uh, theme song of the year. And I'm going to answer this first. The theme song is one of my favorite songs of all time, even though it wasn't, it's a cover, but to me, it's You Really Got Me. <laughs> there will be other episode or episodes on the Kinks who I'm just completely in love with. I'm not usually a cover guy, but You Really Got Me. Halen doing that is it's my theme song for the year. It's amazing. The second that it starts, that guitar riff just—it just rocks so fucking hard. What do you What do you have? It's the cars, just what I needed because I enjoyed this process <laughs> so much that it was just what I needed. <laughs> and also, that song is phenomenal. That's a that's a, such a good track. That album is—I mean, of the debut albums, that's one of the best yeah, of them. I and love there that are so song. many good and ones. To be honest, I had, I'd have to go down. I don't even remember if I put it in my top favorite songs of 78, <laughs> but it was definitely, we'll touch more on this with our top tens, but I draw so many parallels to, well, that's a no pun intended, the album Parallel Lines by Blondie and the Cars debut album. To me, they're like <laughs> exactly the same album. They're just this really amazing poppy kind of here and there. Maybe Blondie's a little more a little more punk or something like that. But they just to me they just they go in the same spot. I, you know, 
you had said that as we were kind of messaging back and forth, preparing for this. And I was like, really? Because like the Cars is, they're a band that were able to kind of bridge a punk new wave sound Mm -hmm. and rock music with pop sensibilities. And when I listened to the Blondie album after that, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this album is that it's as well. Totally it's kind is. Of, I'm like, so I completely get where you're coming from there. When you first said it, I was like, well, but now it makes complete <laughs> sense. Do you have a worst album of the year, album or albums? I didn't write anything down bad. <laughs> I'm sure I could pick. I'll I'll go ahead and start. I have a worst album of the year that's four albums. <laughs> And you've touched on it already. This is the right answer. So Kiss <laughs> Kiss up and decided, hey, every single one of us should come out with a solo album. And you know what sucks? <laughs> Kiss artist solo albums. They are not fucking good. Just listen to one minute of one track of every single album, and you'll know exactly what I'm saying. Oh, that's, uh, that's my... a brilliant answer. I think that's I'm hitching up to that train because that, that's the right answer. <laughs> You know what else that I'm going to touch on in the worst album of the year? And I'm not, I'm going to leave the Rolling Stones alone, but I'm going after another rock band that I've just never really gotten why people love so much. The Who's fucking album in 78 is not very good. Who Are You is a fun song. I don't get why people are so fucking obsessed with The Who. I don't know. They have good songs <laughs> that I like. They do. But I don't know. That's a good question. And you know what's funny too? Is I've shat on The Who before on this podcast. I didn't get any feedback from it. Really? Seriously. People listening, if you love The Who, write us and tell us that we're morons. I've talked shit about a lot of bands and I've gotten a lot of (laughs) emails saying that I'm wrong. (laughs) Nobody has ever corrected me on The Who, so I'm starting to wonder, does anybody actually like The Who? Here's the (laughs) thing about The Who. I don't mind listening to The Who. I've never been drawn to like... I'm really into the who right now. It's never, I don't, they have soundtrack songs. Like you hear Baba O'Reilly all the time in movie soundtracks and stuff like that. They write, which that's a good, uh, Baba O'Reilly is a great Yeah, song. They write good it stuff, is. but to your point, are there any real who fans out there like today? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe back then. And I'm not, not Pete Townsend <clears throat> fans, but the who fans, I feel like everybody I've ever met that will say something about the who will always end up talking about Pete Townsend. They, they don't go in. Maybe into... Keith Moon. I don't know. Well, I mean... yeah. Okay. Moon, Moon was a fucking badass. Okay. I, I will definitely concede that. <laughs> you know, we're actually going to touch on another band like that for me too. I love so many aspects of, but they just never, I don't know. And I feel like I'm going to get in a lot more trouble for that band. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Evil, I'm going to you first because I know the answer. Who won 1978? Every young boy and girl who picked up a guitar after 1978 won 1978 because of Van Halen won. I I wanted it to be Debbie Harry. I wanted it to be Blondie. (laughs) But it's not. It's Eddie Van Halen. Eruption. Eruption changed people's lives. One of my favorite things to do ever is to find people that are like my dad or my uncle's age and ask them about the first time that they heard the first Van Halen. Ask guitar players that age what it was like to hear an eruption for the first time. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do. So now we are down to the big, big, bigs. We, 
are going to give our three favorite albums of the year with a, we can give a quick rundown. I don't know how much good it's going to do because we already talked about a lot of them so much, but hopefully some of them we still have. If you want to throw in an honorable mention or something like that, you can. Evil, what are your three favorite albums of 1978? Oh, counting down from number three. Number three, Dire Straits, their debut. Mm-hmm. Mark Knopfler. We haven't even, t- have we talked about that we're yet? We're going to. Mark Knopfler <laughs> is one of those guitar players that, not, so I, I love Eddie. We've established that over and over again. I don't know if I need to take a shot yet or not. <laughs> but if you just like listen to him noodle around, he's like a mad scientist. So there's so much going on in his head. And part of what makes him who he is, is he's operating on more than just the level as being a guitar player. But I feel like if you were in a room with Mark Knopfler and he had a guitar and he was just yeah. futzing around on the thing, it would be a transcendental experience. He might. My favorite sound that a guitar... So I'm a guitarist. I've played guitarist my whole life. I'm not saying I'm good. I'm just saying that I've, I've been in love with guitar my whole life. And I'm not sure I've ever heard anybody get a sound out of a Fender that I like more than Mark Knopfler. I know that everybody is probably just yelling at whatever they're listening to right now. But seriously, listen to that debut album of Dire Straits. Listen to his fucking work with that guitar. It's just absurd. Yeah. Good pick. My number two is The Cars. I love that band. I like their whole catalog, really. They're just so fun. When I was younger, that music was a little bit more accessible than, say, Van Halen. Yeah. So I've liked them since then. They had these quirky videos on MTV, and they were a band that like everybody felt cool liking. They didn't have enemies. They didn't have Rolling Stone critics chopping them down. Well, maybe they did. I don't know. But... Uh, if they did, they were those critics were wrong. I totally agree. It's a great album, and I read a lot and watch a lot of things about music that I probably shouldn't, and who knows, half of it's, I'm sure, bullshit, because anything you read or watch is bullshit, <laughs> especially nowadays. But a lot of things that I've read and watched about the cars is that they're kind of pieces of shit. Which just always made me, you know, it's one of those things where, and not a piece of shit. I'm not saying it's, it's silly pieces of shit that shouldn't matter to me. Like they're super, super insanely protective about rights Mm. as far as nobody can play any sort of music of theirs on YouTube and stuff like, which that just pisses me off. Okay. If you, if you want your music to die with our generation, that's fine. Go ahead. Do it. But it's a silly thing, but I feel like it's seriously that reason that the cars are not like a, a favorite of mine. That's fair. But if you name a car song, I love it. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I love the cars. I really do. So good pick. Now, what what could possibly be your number uh, one, Evil? <laughs> I wasn't going to do this, but it has to be Van Halen's debut. I mean, I... I'd have to go like shove a samurai sword in my guts if I didn't say that that was the best album of this year because it is like this is hyperbolic. It is by a large margin for me for so many reasons. On the surface, it's like, yeah, Van Halen rock band. Yeah, it's if you actually really take a look at what's going on on the music besides Eddie's playing, which is brilliant. There is so much going on. That band is way more layered and multicultural than you would expect. Eddie and Alex are biracial. Their mom was from Indonesia. 
their dad is Dutch. They were born in Amsterdam. They grew up with a dad who played jazz. They rode a boat to the States when they were, you know, like kids. They didn't speak English until they got here. Wow. David Lee Roth went to a high school that was primarily black and Hispanic. He grew up with Motown music and soul music. Yes, Van Halen 1 is a rock album, but there are these hints of stuff in there. And I figured something out about Eddie's playing when researching this that I'm like, it all made sense. No other guitar player sounds like him. And I, I don't know why. I couldn't figure out what it is. I figured it out. It's his dad's jazz influence. Mm. It's not jazz music, but he p- approaches a guitar more like a bebop horn player than a guitar guy. If they didn't put Eruption on this album, I'm the one would be the song that everybody talks about that blew everybody away. Mm-hmm. He plays this blues shuffle boogie. The closest thing I can think of is like ZZ Top's LaGrange, but you have to speed it up double. Yeah. And he plays it perfectly with feel and timing and then all of these runs. And it's like, no one does that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could turn this into a Van Halen well, and one. I, and honestly, don't be offended when I edit a lot of this out because we are, someday we're going to dissect it and it's, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah. I think this is the reason why this is one of my favorite Van Halen albums is because the guitar work is so raw and there's a lot of uneditedness yeah. about it. Turning on the the very first track, Running With The Devil, when he starts soloing, you can hear him, and I don't want to say messing up. Oh, it's warts and all, for sure. Exactly. And I, I love that. When you hear a guitarist like that, that is that amazing, that confident to say, you know, fuck that. That take was awesome. Just leave that in there. Yep. And that's how you know that when he's doing eruption, he's doing eruption. Mm-hmm. This isn't 18 takes of him. No, cut that into that. Cut that into that. No, this is fucking Eddie Van Halen. And I love that. All I right. do too. <laughs> do you? All right. A little bit. Just a peek. Yeah. <laughs> so my top three, very similar with the exception of one. My third favorite is Halen's Halen for all the reasons that we just talked about. My second favorite is Dire Straits for all the reasons we talked about. I love Mark Knopfler and I love this album. It's so good. And I'm so glad that we did 78 because it just reminds, I turned it on. It's like, oh my God, that's right. Mm-hmm. Jesus, this album. And then my number one big, huge shocker is Outlanda Stiamore by The Police. Song to song to song. I've always loved them. We already talked about they don't have a genre. They're all amazing. The Sting, the Copeland, and you have the Summers. Mm-hmm. Three of the most prominent people of their professions ever. Can't Stand Losing You and Next to You. And then, of course, you got Roxanne, which everybody knows Roxanne. And yeah, it's the party, whatever, and things like that. But Fucking turn on Roxanne and listen to it. It's such an amazing... It's so good. The fact that I've heard it 8 billion times and I'll still turn it on and be like, fuck, this song's awesome. Yeah. That's my favorite album of 1978. Let's go over our... Typically we do top three, but since our beloved friend Sven is not here this evening, we've opened the floodgates and we're allowing each other to do five favorite songs. We'll see if Evil's five songs are all from the same album. (laughs) (laughs) So I have two honorable mentions. One of them is Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, which is such a good song. Mm -hmm. And its usage 
in Shaun of the Dead is... <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> it might be my favorite usage of a song in a movie of Oh all my time. God. It's brilliant. <laughs> and then my other honorable mention, which isn't a big deal because I already talked about it, is You've Really Got Me. It would be in my top five. It wasn't for the fact that it's a cover, but I love that song. And to this day, I don't know if I like Van Halen's or the Kinks version more, which is a huge compliment to Van Halen. My fifth favorite 1978 song is One Way or Another hmm. by Blondie, which to me, that was my battle of number five. Is it just what I needed or is it one way or another? Because seriously, to me, it's interchangeable how much I love both those songs. Wow. Evil, what's your fifth favorite song of 1978? I have, a, I have a couple of honorable mentions. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. <laughs> Waylon and Willie. Holy shit. I grew up with that song. That's a great song. My dad was a cowboy and I am not. So I actually lived that song. <laughs> it was a cautionary tale for me. But you Old. didn't end up being a doctor or a lawyer. Or, <laughs> or, or such. such. <laughs> <laughs> Gambler, Kenny Rogers. I'll leave it there. With I, I mean, I could keep going on with honorable <laughs> mentions. Uh, my number five is Warren Zevon, Werewolves of London. Uh, ooh. I love that song. It's silly, but I like it. Honda. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it took me so long to figure out what the hell he was saying. <laughs> All right. So we've got our fourth favorites. And this is fun. So true story at 8.19, we started recording this at 8.30. At 8.19, while I was getting pumped and ready for this, I had a 1978 mix on, and a song came on. Oh, no. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait. This came out in 78? So I had no idea that you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish by REO Speedwagon. <laughs> came yes. out in 78. Uh. Roll With The Changes yep. is... An amazing song. I love Roll With The Changes. That is my fourth favorite song wow. in 1978. And I am so glad that I heard it turn on at 819 tonight. Man, right under the wire. I, I think I have REO Speedwagon written down here, but I completely spaced it. But So I'm glad you brought them up. That's good. Uh, what's your fourth? My favorite? number four is ACDC Sin City. That's a good song. That's my favorite song off of that album. I think it is primarily that that guitar solo is just comes out of nowhere and just hits in the face. And it's a, I mean, it's classic ACDC song. What is your third favorite? Sultans of Swing. All right. I mean, what you, we've already talked at nauseum about how good Knopfler is. That's just a, I mean, I could listen to him riff on that song all day. We're going to have to keep talking about it because you know what my third favorite is? <laughs> it's Sultans of Swing. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I might, in my life, I might have listened to that song more than any other song. And I, wow. I just, God, I love it so much. Which leads me to my second 1978 song, Ever Fallen in Love by the Buzzcocks. Ooh. I'm not a massive Buzzcocks guy. I like them. I think that their album that came out this year was really good. But the song Ever Fallen in Love is, there's the Buzzcocks discography and it's good. But then there's this song, which to me is just way above the rest. And that is my, that's my second favorite song of 1978. What you got, Evil? This is kind of like the REO Speedwagon song coming in out of the wire for you. It wasn't on my list until I heard the live version, Cheap Tricks Surrender which I thought was a great song before, but then I heard them play it live. That song is, it's like one of the perfect 
pop rock songs ever written. You know, I didn't even, until I was studying for this episode, I had never listened to the lyrics mm, mm-hmm. of that song. The lyrics are amazing. Yeah, it's really good. That song. When you first hear it, you think it's just a, parents are just dumb. No, no it's a whole it's fucking take on a previous generation fucking yeah. up a, it's amazing. All right, number one song of 1978. I had a hard time with this, picking between three from the same band. It's changed today, and it's probably going to change tomorrow too, but I'm just going to go with Roxanne. There's other songs on this album Mm -hmm. that are incredible, but there's something about Roxanne that if you've heard it a million times and you've heard it made fun of and you've heard it in this drinking game and this movie and this and that, and you still turn it on and we'll fucking rock out to it. It's an amazing song. And that is Roxanne to me. That's by the police. (laughs) And hopefully everybody at home is playing the Roxanne drinking game where every time we say Roxanne, you have to take a drink. Roxanne. They have to take a drink when we say Roxanne? Roxanne is when they have to take a drink when we say Roxanne. Roxanne. (laughs) Evil, what's your favorite song of 1978? I'm actually interested to hear this because I think I might know, but I don't. I very purposefully made a list of songs that had zero Van Halen songs on it because my legit top five would be all all Van Van Halen Halen songs. (laughs) And that's boring. The number one that I picked is The Car Is Just What I Needed. Because I wow. just like Surrender, it's a perfect pop song. And really what seals the deal for me, it has such a good vocal performance and a, a wicked guitar solo wedged into this real pop kind of, it's like a perfect song for radio play. Oh, absolutely. But it still has these elements in it that just like stand out and make it, for me, rise above everything else. I'll take it. Now I'm going to go through and I'm going to tell everybody what our collective top 10 was. Uh, Like we talked about before, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking up and down what the best, not favorite, 10 albums of 1978 are. Number 10 to lead it off is actually, I need to ask you because I don't even know if we were on the same page because we were just using the band name. But number 10 is Judas Priest. You were talking about Stained Class, right? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because they also came out with Killing <laughs> put Machine. Out, right. But Stained Class was better. It wasn't on my list just because I do this a lot with artists that Judas Priest has other much better albums to me. But at the same time, I feel like this album, Stained Class, was one of the distinctive beginnings of speed metal. Mm -hmm. So I completely understand having it on the top 10. Evil, you were much more of the lobbyist for this album. Is that why? In the the whole new wave of British heavy metal, I'm way more of an Iron Maiden fan. I like Priest. I grew up listening to my brother's Priest tapes, which were the early mid-80s. Judas Priest. If Stained Class was like the first sort of taste of speed metal, Painkiller invented it. Like yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And here's the thing with Stained Class. I, as I listened to Stained Class over and over, it started growing on me in a way that where I'm like, oh, now I see what they're talking about with this album. And I think I probably like it better. Our number nine in our list, which in turn for the Judas Priest would that this one was on my Not On Evils, and both kind of for the same exact reason was The Man Machine by Kraftwerk. This was Kraftwerk's sixth or seventh album, and to me, this is when they paved the way for the next 10 years of digital music. Oh, completely. I hear 
that album throughout history from the point it came out until today, the synthwave revival, that stuff is, was it you who said this? Like they are modern electronic music, what the Beatles were to getting together in a garage with your friends and starting a band. I really love the sound, the sonics of the music from this era. That one really stood out to me. Number eight is Jazz by Queen. So not to ruin any Queen dissections down the road or anything like that, but this is my favorite Queen album. And honestly, it's not saying that much because I don't love Queen albums. And this is the one that I feel like will get me in trouble is there's just... Mm Look, Freddie Mercury is one of the greatest front men that there will ever be. I'll lead off with that so the death threats don't come in. And the band that was Queen was brilliant. Some of the songs that they came out with were amazing. Mm -hmm. But there's just something about Queen that I don't love Queen. I love Live Aid. I I love things about Queen. Queen, but I don't love Queen, and I definitely don't love their album. This uh, going back to our conversation about compilation albums and greatest hits albums. Queen arguably has one of the best greatest hits catalog of any band ever. Yes, but I'm with you in terms of looking like at their albums. None of them really stand out. We're supposed to like certain things, and you're supposed to like Night at the Opera and. I mean, come on, there's great stuff on there. But Kind of Magic is my favorite Queen album because it's got some rock and stuff on it. (laughs) But it's undeniable the songs they wrote. I mean, geez. And even the songs on this album. Yeah. Brilliant. We already talked about Don't Stop Me Now. I don't love it, but Fat Bottom Girls, which is definitely one of their most famous songs. I will tell you, one of the most fun things that I've ever done just tonight or yesterday was having bicycle on and my daughter who just turned seven listening to it fascinated fascinated <laughs> loving it this guy's singing about bicycles he doesn't like star yeah. wars what's going on it was the most fun i've ever had watching my oh daughter my listen to a song reading about this album <laughs> critics kind of bashed it for being over the top and big bombastic big and i'm like man mm-hmm. if you listen to the hooks and the lyrics and the songwriting, I feel like this album was a huge inside joke that a lot of people didn't get. Number seven, we decided on another one that was, it was actually pretty high on my list, not on Evil's Talking Heads, more songs about buildings and food. It was one that I was heavily considering, for sure. It's understandable, because I, here's the thing about this album. It's definitely not my favorite Talking Heads album, but... I do feel like this album was one of the gateways into indie music. It was the first album they worked with Brian Eno Mm -hmm. on. I think he also released an album this year too. Oh, wow, really? He's brilliant. I mean, and was probably a big part in kind of shaping their music and just music of the time moving forward. Number six is Cheap Trick, Heaven Tonight. And this was one that was definitely on Evil's Not On Mine, but... A quick reassessment after we started volleying back and forth. This is definitely my favorite Cheap Trick album. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking never mind the Bullock's favorite. There's this album for Cheap Trick and then there's everything else. Cheap Trick is one of those bands that I never take out and listen to. But if somebody starts talking about them, I'm a fan. I do really like Cheap Trick. Yeah, it's great. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> 
Uh, number five is Dire Straits, and we've talked about that. Number four, The Cars, The Cars. We've talked about that a lot, too. The epitome of a great pop rock album. Mm-hmm. And then number three is Parallel Lines by Blondie. And what can you say about Blondie that you know hasn't already been said? Debbie Harry's the shit. This album, it's the same thing we've talked about in that pop rock perfected at the time. I just really like Debbie Harry, man. <laughs> so we have our top two, and I ended up conceding because honestly, <laughs> I can't really fight it that much. Our number one is Van Halen, and our number two is The Police. I am content with Van Halen being number too. one on our list. <laughs> and I completely, I get, I mean, honestly, you could take the whole top five or six and rejigger all of them and yes. it would make sense, honestly. From If somebody else came up to me and said, no, it's this and this and this and this and this, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Especially after researching and listening to this music. Yeah. It's all so good. It really is. So we have one more thing to do. And that is to rate our year dissections. Evil, so far we have done 1997, we have done 1969, and we have done 1978. I want you to rank them. I will remind you that last time you were flippy floppy because Sven had kind of talked you into almost going 97 over 69. So after time, I want to see where this is gone. What are the criteria here? What am I, what, how am I evaluating these? You, your favorite, not what's the best. This is my favorite music by a large margin. I have a hard time saying that this is the best of the three because Sven isn't here. Or I feel wrong, <laughs> not including him based solely on the music itself. This is my favorite for sure. 78, 69, 97. So that's mine. I feel exactly the same. I have yeah. I have more reverence for 69. Yeah, I think that's fair. God, I had so much fun doing this. And especially after mm-hmm. the Jekyll and Hyde of 69 versus 78. The nightmare of trying to tackle 69 <laughs> was, was hard. The music from this era, and I put 78 the beginning of this era... I don't know what it is. There's like a weird compression on the vocals, on the guitars. The way it's recorded and the sonics and the engineering, it just, it's warm and it's comfort food music for me. And the songs are great. The players are great. Everything about it, I just, I I absolutely adore. I, I appreciate your question asking if this was the beginning of alternative music because I didn't, I would not have thought of that, but I think you're, you're onto something there too. So that makes it even more special. Go turn on, go pick a yeah. bunch of 1978 albums, put them on a playlist and yeah. just go. It's fun, man. It's fun. But that's it for us tonight. Next week is going to be a really, really fun one. We've actually got a guest. We've got Beth Ann from another podcast called She Will Rock You. Uh, that podcast concentrates on females in rock. That's very, awesome. Yeah, very, very good podcast. Rachel and I are going to learn about the band Under Oath, which we know nothing about. Mm. Do, you, do you know anything about Under Oath, Evil? <laughs> Not really. I don't either, but we're going to learn. Evil, this was a blast. I am very sad that we don't have Sven, but this... Yeah, me too. Man, I had fun doing the this. The music almost made up for it. It, it almost did. Versecoursefirst.com, at Versecoursefirstpod, download Spotify, 
click the little bell thingy. <laughs> iTunes, rate and review, Stitcher, Deezer. We're on TikTok now. Don't even give it, give us a couple more weeks for that <laughs> one. <laughs> Evil, as always, you are one of, if not the favorite person for me to talk to about music. I know it was probably a pain in the ass for you to have to talk about that. Oh, man. Hours, <sighs> Thank you for throwing me the bone for this episode. <laughs> Rain myself in a little bit. Everybody, take care. Be good. Be safe. And we'll talk to you next week. That's fun.